Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. I want to thank you for listening tonight. Tonight we will listen to a two-part episode, and this will be episode one. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And before we start tonight, I just want to say, because I know a lot of people that start listening and they turn it off and go, well, that show's not for me. And I'll be honest with you, the truth is, yes, this is for you, because whether you have a family member that's having problems with this or or just a, a kid in high school, everybody's going through these situations right now. And so who I have on the on the phone tonight is Jeff Harshbarger. Is that correct, Jeff? You did it well. Thank you. Okay. And I, I heard you say on something, you said one good thing about it is when you Google my name, it pulls up because I'm the only one with a name like that. So, Well, you know what? There's also a, a, a musician in Kansas City. There's evidently a Jeff Harshberger out there who knows how to play the bass guitar very well. I think and he I'm also not plays him. the cello, too, because I have Does a son he? that plays the cello, yeah. Okay. So, so Jeff was a former Satanist, and he's got a couple of books out that are really good. Um, but we were just talking before we started, and I wanted him to share what he's doing right now, because especially what happened down in Florida at the high school there. Um, you want to share a little of that, Jeff? Well, I am working. I work as a, as a counselor. Uh, within the school systems, uh, the Department of Juvenile Justice. Uh, I take referrals from whoever wants to give me a referral, but I work with kids uh, anywhere from sixth grade through 19, 20 years old that have any type of um, behavioral mental health issue. Um, I go to schools. I go to their homes. I I go to jails if if necessary. Um, But here recently I had a young man who was incarcerated due to the fact that he was on Facebook, you know, with his rifle, uh, personally threatening people. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do that, expect to get caught, and he did. And um, he's sitting in uh, a jail right now, and he is waiting for his uh, probation officer to give him uh, the heads up when he can go back home, if he can. He may be there for a while. But that's what I do. I try to I try to help the kids so that we're not shooting schools up and and acting out. And um, here's the thing: to be honest with you, Todd, I, I hear a lot of Christians say, "Well, it's demonic and it's this and it's that." But what I'm encountering is uh, these kids are going through hell. They're going through hell. Their lives have been so shattered, and they have so many emotions and such rage that they go beyond being angry to being anger and they they lose control and i've talked to these kids they sometimes don't even realize they're doing what they're doing and the reason that i do what i'm doing is that was me i was that that person um a short story was um i was abused i was in a dysfunctional family i mean if anybody's read my book um my dad used to you know, pick me up and throw me across the room against the wall and I'd slide down, you know, a bloody mess and I was four, you know. 
So that was my background. And by the time I was in third grade, I remember one time being on the park in the, um, uh, not the parking lot, but the, uh, the playground. And I watched the school bully, you know, during play playtime, uh, walk around the playground, you know, bullying, going from person to person. And I was standing there and I looked at the adults who were supposed to be our protection supervising us. And they weren't doing a thing. They were facing each other, chit-chatting and laughing as the bully was bullying all the kids. And I was just a little kid. I'm still a little kid. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those skinny guys, right? Not big in stature. And I, I just kept getting angry because the adults who were supposed to protect us were doing nothing, and this bully was getting away with it. So by the time the bully came my way, I mean, he, he approached me, and I just went off. And I remember coming to, if you will, and I had this kid who had easily 50 pounds on me. I mean, remember, I'm, I'm in third grade. He's a fifth grader. Um, I had his head in my hand. I, I had his hair, and I was beating his face against the metal pole. And he was just a bloody pulp, you know. And, you know, I got, I got a lot of respect, you know, from from a lot of the tougher kids, but I, I put the fear of God into a lot of other people. And the adults just, you know, I ended up getting a counselor in school, and they basically just said, ah, you know, it was a one-time incident, and they didn't realize I was full of rage. So I've kind of um, moved into that arena and have been working uh, with those kids, uh, walking into their darkness and listening to them and caring and taking them through um, not so much anger management as much as getting rid of the anger, which causes the rage. And as I speak with these kids, um, the lives they're living is horrendous. Um, it's just you, you, you just want to drop your jaw and embrace them, you know, but society has a tendency to, to, to push them to the side and say that they're mentally ill, they're weird, they're whatever, but if you would have had their lives, you would have become just like them as I was. So it's through the redemption of Christ, you know, the, the power of Jesus that I'm able to even help these kids. Well, I was working at a hospital the other day in Monroe, Louisiana, and there was the same thing. It was a kid. Matter of fact, he had taken a gun to school mm. and the school just kind of you know, all whatever, but he same he had something on Facebook or whatever with a gun or whatever. End of story. Uh, he ended up shooting a girl in the head and it killed the girl. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, he thought the gun wasn't loaded according to what he said. But yeah. uh, you know, th- there's just so much going on nowadays, and it's so easy um, for these things to happen. And you know, you do got to. I understand them incarcerating somebody who's put something on Facebook because there's so much yeah. fear in these people's lives. Well, and as adults, too, we, we, we must step up to the plate and protect, even from the potential, you know, harm. And um, that's, that's one of the, the things that I, I guess in my heart I've, I've stepped up to the plate and I said I'm going to be the man that I needed when I was a child. Um, you know, I'll protect anyone, but I'll also go into the individual that other people are writing off and be that person for them so that they can have someone that can walk them through it. And hopefully they can begin making good decisions and move on with their lives because 
you know, with God, anything's possible. And a lot of these kids, um, I share, you know, I share my story. I have no problem with that. And many of them come to Christ or come to a, a, a belief in God uh, because of that, because it's hope. And that's what they're lacking. I had um, a young man who was referred to me, and he had, uh, I found out after I met him, but he had, um, at the age of six, helped his father murder someone, uh, duct tape the body, throw it in a lake, and watch the alligator eat the body. This kid's six. He's with his sister, who's four, and his father. And he's had a therapist since the age of six, seven. And, um, you know, everyone has... We kind of step away from this kid because he's, you know, in society he's an odd duck. But I met him a couple days ago, and he and I really connected. And I started discussing with him, you know, his life and processing what's going on on the inside. And he looked at me, and he kind of smiled, and he goes, I've never processed what's happened to me in my life. And I'm thinking, you've had therapists, you know, for the last decade of your life. He's 16, 14, 15 right now. And he's never sat down with anyone and actually processed what he has experienced. He's been, he's been raped. He's, he's gone through hell. And, of course, he's not going to come out, quote, unquote, socially normal. You know, he, he's going to have to act out what's inside of him somewhere, somehow. And that's not an excuse. That's just how it happens. And, you know, he, he, he wants to be more. He wants to do things that he should do and not do the things that he shouldn't, but something dwells within him. You know, very scriptural, the sin within us. But he has been affected and he's shattered. So we're going to work together with him and uh, see him through. And he's, he's a delightful young man when you meet him. And that's the thing about these kids. We, you know, uh, the media kind of makes them to be monsters. You know, I, I read a report on the young man down here at uh, Parkland, the shooter, and how his behavior has been while he's in jail. And they're trying to make him out to be, you know, this strange being, you know, when it boils down to it, he's a kid. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to process, you know, the things that occurred to, me, to him. He, he, of course, is responsible, you know, for his choices, his decisions. But with the effect, the trauma, and, and the effect that he has had in his life, you know, he's not like the rest of society. Does that make sense? And we can't have that social... Uh, expectancy on these kids because they just they they're shattered they they're they're not literally in their right mind and that's who I visit on a daily basis I I see um, I see three a day it's exhausting but rewarding because I see kids uh, I, I see kids turn around I, I see lives changed I see kids you know even even if it's a slight thing um, just to see that level of normalcy uh, occur is my reward. And I, I love my, I mean, I, you know, it's my job, but I would do it for free if, you know, money didn't matter. <laughs> Sadly, it does. Um, but it's a gift that God's given me to be able to go right back into the very thing that I've been delivered from 
and to help others out of their situations. That's called redemption. I love it. You know, one of, in the book uh, Dancing with the Devil, mm-hmm. um, I think it was the the 10th person in there, and she was talking about her son. And uh, Yes, he, yes. And when he was put into a psych ward. Well, I worked in a psych ward for for a couple of years, and I so I, I completely understood what they're saying because a lot of times these kids will come in there, and all the doctor wants to do is put them in drugs, you know, yep. and they, they, they just bounce them from drug to drug and try, oh, that one's not working. Well, let's give them a little Haldol or let's give them a little Thorazine or, let, you know. And yes. so there, there, yes, there, there are counseling classes and stuff that go on in there, but it's, it's kind of like just a, a textbook of, okay, try this, try that. And most of the time you're going to see those kids back there four or five times before they move on to another one. Um, and they truthfully never get the help they really needed or, you know, uh, like what they were saying in the book, you know, he's, he's got demons. Um, yeah. I, I've seen quite a few of them come through and you knew they were demons and, uh, you know, but to get deliverance in a place like that is, is really not going to happen. Well, I actually walked through a, um, when I was a Satanist, I had a, I had a friend who was a uh, psychologist and we went, we walked through the mental ward and there was a demon inside of one of the uh, people that was, they, they were locked up, you know, they were, uh, yeah, they were put away, you know, for a while. And the demon inside of that person uh, introduced himself to me, you know, and I was a Satanist and I had demons inside of me. So it was like the demons were looking at each other going, hey, we got two humans here, you know, good for us, job well done. So, yeah, there is there is demon influence, there's demon possession, and but there's also... And this is this is who I'm reaching after is is the human being involved in it, and I think that it's it's a little bit more complex than you know the simple uh, presumptuous you know uh, response and, and just saying ah oh, it's, it's it's demons. It could de- indeed be the work of demons in that this child was <clears throat> at a lake after midnight watching a a body being eaten by an alligator, but who I go after is the child that is six that was traumatized and here it is 10 years later, you know, and he, he's still affected. It's not like he, he's been healed. He's been delivered. He's even been helped. And to be honest with you, the, uh, the mental health field is, is doing the best they can. I'm in the mental health field. Um, a lot of it straight up is a uh, new age theology, <laughs> new age uh, practices, new age worldview. Um, I don't practice any of those. Uh, I'm certified. I've got a master's degree, but it's it's from a Christian uh, perspective. I am certified as an addictions counselor uh, through the state of Florida. Um, had to go through a lot of new age philosophy, new age worldview uh, in order to get to the certification level, but I, having been uh, a drug addict, to be honest with you, uh, having lived that world and having the experience of Jesus Christ delivering me from the addiction, that's what I, as a counselor, practice when I'm sitting across the table or in the room with someone who's addicted. Um, so I, 
I have the credentials, but at the same time, I don't fall into uh, the mental health field. I do not believe that um, addiction is a disease. Um, and, of course, what you said, Todd, you said something very seriously solid. Um, a psychiatrist is trained to give you a diagnosis and medicate it, okay? And you can, you can walk into a room that has a psychiatrist in it, and, of course, you're going to be diagnosed, and, of course, you're going to be medicated, you know, because that's their profession, and also that's what they're trained to do. They don't think outside of that uh, you know, that, that way of thinking. They're, that's their job, that's who they are, and that's what they do. So it scares me <laughs> um, to hear of a child going and getting a, quote, a, you know, a diagnosis. It really does because the mental health field, too, is also very trendy. You know, it's like I remember back in the 90s, I was a child uh, therapist in, in, a, in an alternative school, and the kids were just getting pumped full of, you know, Ritalin and Adderall because everyone had ADHD. And, you know, these are six-year-old boys. And I remember, you know, at six, could I concentrate on math? Absolutely not. You know, um, what I would do is I'd wear them down playing kickball, and then I'd say, come on, guys, we're going to go do math. They're like, okay. You know, and, and they, I mean, there is true ADHD, but then... <laughs> You know, there's there's kind of this trend. Everybody is bipolar. Everybody is, and and it scares me because it's it's human lives, you know, that we're dealing with. And the mental health field is, in my from my experience, very. It's kind of like trying to forecast the weather. You know, the wind may change, so we're not sure if it's going to rain today or next week, especially down here in Florida. You know, we're we're very inaccurate with the weather down here. Um, so I have I have some concerns, and that's why, you know, going into the field, I, I I studied how they think, what they think, and where their their the roots of their philosophy and you know worldview come from. But I don't practice it. I go in having been there, and I share my story with the kids, and the kids can the, the majority of them get a smile on their face when I actually share because they're like, okay, so you've been there. You know, and that's what matters to them. And then they open up and they, they allow me to connect with them. And that's such a blessing. So, but at the same time, you know, I had to go through it myself. So, you know, with pain comes gain. So it's, it's, it's the, the Lord's work. It's the Lord's redemption. I have one question. Uh, I've been listening to you and you were talking about anger, but you said it <laughs> like in two terms. One of them was... They were angry, and then you said they are anger. So if mm-hmm. you have parents who are dealing with kids that are angry, because I'm, I'm hearing this from, you know, mothers that are concerned about their young kids, teenagers, uh, older kids, they, that they're not knowing how to process this anger, that they're doing things that they're regretting, but... They don't even know how to control it. What would be some steps you would tell the mothers, especially who I'm hearing it from, what they could do, you know, proper, since you are a counselor, what would you say in proper counseling would be some steps? That one, of the, one of the things that I do with the kids, and it's every kid I 
come in contact with with what I do Monday through Friday is I don't teach them anger management techniques so much as I get to the root of the issue and I will ask them to take an inventory, a self-inventory, and I give them time. And they don't have to do it right there. They shouldn't even actually do it while they're sitting with me. I want to give them that reflective time. And I ask them to go back in their life, in their heart, look in, in, their, in their experience of being alive and identify the first time they were truly angry. Okay? And it usually is something that happened that's very clear. And they'll give you detail, <laughs> you know. And it can be as simple as I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas to, you know, sexually molested or something else that was traumatic. But nonetheless, at that point, they became angry. Justice needs to be served. You are worthy of my anger, okay? And then what happens with that anger, if it's not processed correctly, and who knows how to process it when you're a kid? Because we don't teach it. We don't, we, don't, we don't even deal with it. We just don't do that, you know? Don't be angry. Don't be like that. So it's pushed down for years and years and years. And then when they, became, they become uh, a teenager, they're starting to individualize and they think that, if you will, I have the right or I have the need to express how I really feel because I am my own person. I'm separate from you. But How do they process it? They pro- I process it with the kids in that the, um, the situation, like I had a kid say he was very angry, very angry. He was a nice, nice kid, but then he would just be impulsive and boom, blow because someone hit his trigger. Whatever the trigger was, you know, he would blow. And he, um, he actually was, was beating his girlfriend. He loves his girlfriend, but he's beating his girlfriend. And the reason that he was doing that was she's safe. She's not going to tell anybody. Uh, she's weaker than him, so there's no, you know, that kind of thing. So they usually go after that. Um, I mean, that's just an example. But what, what I asked him to do, he was 17 going on 18. Nice kid. You would have thought, he's got no problems in life. Um, but he was, he was anger. He went from angry to anger. And what happened was um, he was locked in a garage when he was six by his father, and he was left there. The kid didn't know if he was going to live, if he was going to die. If somebody was going to come back, he had no food, he had no water, nothing. And he was in there for three days before somebody came back. And at that point, he, he was angry at his father. And he didn't know how to process it. And he told uh, himself, you know, basically he pronounced the judgment of his anger on his dad. And that anger trapped okay, stayed inside of him for the next 10 years. So here he is, 16, 17 years old. You know, he, he has that impulsive, it breaks through, breaks out, and he has to express it. He has to release it. He has to show it, that kind of thing. So what do I do? I go back with him and I say, okay, you're six years old. Now, let's look at dad. Okay, who's dad? And he describes dad. Okay, how do you feel about dad? Hate dad, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then what I say, because they're that old now, I say, okay, so what was dad going through? What was dad 
experiencing, you know, and you bring a little bit of empathy into the situation to where it's like, can you actually forgive? Can you actually let that human being off of, you know, or out of your judgment, which is condemnation, anger, whatnot? And I explain it. If you don't, okay, here's what happens. That anger, at first, you're releasing it, saying, I, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. I said, that's, that's the correct judgment because that guy was bad to you. He was, he was wrong. He was whatever. Okay, so you had the correct, but now you're trapped in your own judgment. Now you have to let it go through empathy, okay, because do you want to hate your father or do you want to love your father? Well, I want to love my father. Okay, then let's choose love towards your father by feeling, what was this guy going through? Well, dad was a drug addict, and dad's life was rough. He lived in this car. I said, can you imagine what his life was like? They're like, yeah. You know, and that's what I had to do with my father. My father uh, came back. My dad was shot in the, in the head. He had post-traumatic stress, and he was full of uh, guilt, shame, anger, all of it, alcoholism, the pain, and he expressed it towards me because I was safe. I was weak. And I had to let him off my hook so that my rage would go away, okay? And I was reconciled with my father, you know, before he passed. And he and I were the best of friends. And it's always through forgiveness <clears throat> because when you judge someone, you're condemning them and you're going to put them through hell because that's what they deserve. And the hell is your anger, your, your actions, your behavior, your whatever you can give them that's going to make their life bad because they made your life bad or they did something to you or they traumatized you or whatever it was. So that's how I process it with the, the kids that I meet, okay? And yeah. <clears throat> it's helping them to get out of. And then, of course, then they have to because the emotion doesn't go away. Okay, and they have to, at that point, identify with their own bodies, anger, okay, and when your blood pressure rises or whatever your body's telling you, when you're angry, to identify it, and at that point, recognize you're getting angry, okay, to become cognitive, to be aware, to be mindful of your state of being, and to recognize whatever you're being angry at is worthy of your anger, but that's it. Leave it. Get angry and get over it. <laughs> you know, don't stay there. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is really yeah. good information because I actually just had somebody call me for prayer last night regarding her son going through that exact issue that you just explained. And I believe this is going to give her the information that to pass on to her son and help him through why his actions are. So obviously yeah. there's a root, root issue to deal with. Well, this is, this is how, for me, what I do, because I used to, like I said, at, at, at the third grade level, I had the bully's head in my hand, and I'm bashing his face against the metal pole. I could have killed the kid, at, you know, I was in third grade. But w what I do now, because I've learned not to... Uh, let my judgment linger so that it turns back and it's pushed down inside of me and then I become 
the very emotion. And the emotion goes from being just a simple emotion to a state of being. I'm anger. So I'm just waiting to be angry and to release it. What I've learned to do is now that I'm an adult and during the day, there's still things that makes any one of us angry, okay, is I I got a pet peeve. I'm I'm on my... I'm in my Jeep every day going from school to school to school, and Florida has, trust me, the nation's worst drivers, hello? And, you know, (laughs) it just drives me crazy. And I I will get angry and go, okay, and then they're gone, okay, because they went down the road, or I intentionally turn to get, you know, away from them so that I do something positive. I'm angry. I feel it. They deserve it. That's it. I do something positive immediately because I know my body. I know the state of being I'm in. In other words, I'm controlling my anger rather than my anger controlling me. I don't suppress it. I don't act as though it's not there. I don't act as if though it's a bad uh, emotion. I allow myself to to feel it because it's the right response in, in that given situation. If I have someone cut me off in traffic, I'm not going to throw flowers at them. I'm going to say, ah, you know, why did you do that? I'm allowed to feel that, okay? But then I go, okay, Phew. all right, it's over. That's all you did was cut in front of me, you know? Well, this and I is, control uh, This is perfect. This is going to help a lot of people just by what you just explained, how to work through it, um, where it's coming from. Uh, us unprofessionally trained counselors, just mothers and so forth, are going to be able to understand this one. So thank well, you. It, you're welcome, but you've, you've got to go back to the original step. Where was the first time you felt that? And are you still there? <laughs> you know, are you still seven trapped in that garage? You know, yeah. like, That's a good point. That's a good point to... Uh, yeah, are you still just completely raw in living a life of I'm angry, even though, you know, you may have gone on years and years and years, but like you said, you're just still right there, right then. It's consumed you. Yeah. You you, you never, you never, you you expressed it, but you never released them and yourself from that situation because it meant that much to you that you're just going to make sure that they suffer, you know. But once, once it's, it's in you, you have to control it. And by controlling it, you know, you have to say, okay, I'm not angry anymore because it's over, you know, it stopped. And that's, that's something you have to practice. You have to be very cognitive. You have to be very present, you know, and... That's something that, you know, <clears throat> for a kid, it's, it's difficult, but you can, you can get them to a point where, you know, you know what's going on when you're angry. Tell me about it. Oh, man, my stomach starts hurting and, and my ears are burning. Oh, okay, so when, when you're seeing those signs, when you're feeling those things, you know you're angry at that point, right? Right. Okay. Feel that, Okay. And, and, but then you have to, in your, in your head, be aware of, I'm angry. How long do I want to be angry? Do I want to be angry for the next 16 years, the next 16 hours, the next 16 minutes, or the next 16 seconds? 
okay, I'm done being angry. I'm, I'm, you know, and then you you take your body back down. You 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 know, because your, your blood's pumping. Okay, I want to I want to have fun. That's when okay, I'm gonna turn, and I'm gonna go do something positive, something pro-social, something enjoyable, something rewarding, something you know, positive. And you and you move past it, and you don't return to the thought pattern. You know, ah, oh, what a jerk he was for cutting me off in traffic, because that just feeds it. You know, it's like, no, put a period. It's over. All right, Jeff. If, it's, if this uh, session is just a spark of hope, but let's just say this is just the beginning and somebody's, somebody's sitting there going, this is helping, but I need a lot more help. Uh, should they go talk to their pastor? Should they seek counseling? Um you know, because these are baby steps and that could help somebody depending on where they're at, but yet they might be going, I can't control this emotion. I, I, I'm just beside myself. I would, should they look for counseling right away? What should they do from there? You know you know what? Something, something for parents, okay? Because I had a parent contact me. Their very young child was... Uh, expressing anger and it scared them to be honest with you there is literature out there on teaching kids at any age level any age level um, where can they get identify, the literature uh, you can get it on Amazon just you know just google it you know on Amazon do a search and there's so many books out and I don't have any specific books that I'm recommending other than mine just kidding but <laughs> The, the the anger management or or whatever there's there's so many books that help you and of course they're they're age appropriate but <clears throat> to offer yourself to kids when you see that they're angry you're the adult say hey would you like to talk about your anger I mean it's as simple as that you know but it's an investment because that kid may take the next three hours and tell you about what happened when he was three. You know, I mean, you just open up a an opportunity in, into the heart of a child or a teenager or someone, you know, at work or wherever you are in the moment. But when you see people angry or people that keep expressing anger, <clears throat> if you truly, you don't have to be quote unquote trained and trained professionally. You have to have a heart that cares and what released me was prayer, not someone that was professionally trained. Does that make sense? And if you pray about prayer, or prayer I'm sorry, pray about anger or pray about anything, you're bringing, bringing God into the situation and into the emotion and into the whatever. And that right there is step one in anything that we do is bringing God into it. You know, and then, like I said, if you can get those books that are age appropriate so that you can teach your teenager, teach your child, you know, when you're angry, you know, what is your system, what is your body saying? What is your, what is your mind doing? What's, I mean, and bring them to that place to where they're controlling their anger rather than, you know, and the, the, the feeling or the, the belief of of not being able to control it is a lie. You just have to train yourself to control it. And 
the first step in controlling your anger is a decision, okay, is identifying your anger and deciding what you're going to do about it, okay, and not playing the blame game. She makes me angry. No, you choose to be angry. And the reason that you choose to be angry is because it's the appropriate emotion to feel because what she did, okay? And with that anger, you can say, boom, I'm angry. I'm feeling it. Okay, I don't want to feel it anymore. And walk away and go do something you want to do so that you're feeling what you want to feel. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. It, Um, It sounds simple, but it takes a lot of work because you've got to be present, you've got to be responsible, you've got to own it, and you have to take action. Those are four steps that people usually resist, and then they say, I don't know why this is happening. Well, it's because we're not present, we're not aware, we're not responsible, and then we don't take the right action. It just, if, we don't, if we're not doing those things, those things control us rather than us controlling them. It's, it's that simple. And all it is is an emotion. Hey, well, Jeff, why don't you say a prayer over, it sounds like you need to say a prayer over the parents and the children out there that you know, but uh, say a prayer over them, and then uh, I'll give the name of your books, and we'll wrap it up, and we may have to just have you back again because there's still a ton of stuff we didn't even cover. I know, I know. We could have gone to the left or to the right, and I think we tried to, and we did. We we discussed two different topics, but we blended it pretty well. So it came out okay, but let me pray real quick, and then um, we'll give the information of if there's anybody that wants to contact me, my website, and uh, how to get my books if you're interested. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity uh, for this interview and the opportunity to know you. Lord, I just pray for all of those parents and all the kids that are out there that um, need you and need you to show them how to, how to control the things that need to be controlled and how to walk in the wisdom that you provide. And Lord, I just lift up um, Todd and I thank you for the work that he's doing. I pray that you would bless him, anoint him, and equip him to do even further works, bigger works, greater works. Um, And Lord, thank you again for everyone that's listening. I pray that you would touch them and motivate them to make the change, to make the change from the things that they shouldn't to the things that they can so that they can be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My My books are available on my website if you want to go there or if you want to send me an email. I'm the kind of guy I get on the phone. I actually talk to people if they want to talk to me. Uh, you can go to my website. It's refugeministries.cc. And my books are on my website, and they're on uh, Amazon, you know, any of the, the booksellers on the Internet, uh, a, Libri, a Libri or whatever that's called. Uh, but I, I do most of my business with Amazon. No, that's not a plug for Amazon. They're just convenient. Um, and like I said, if, you, if anybody wants to make contact with me, I'm readily available. Um, I, I, I'm a counselor, therapist. I, I pray for people. I encourage people. I'll send whatever resources I have to help anyone anytime I can. 
because by the grace of God, I'm able to. And it's my honor and it's my blessing to be able to. So thank you, Todd. Thank you for uh, the interview. And if you ever want to do this again, like I said, I'm always available. We, we would love to have you on sometime again, Jeff, but we really do appreciate you coming on now, um, especially, I mean, just everything that's going on. It was a perfect timing. Yes. And the names of my books, I, I don't think we've even mentioned it, is um, my first book was, uh, is called From Darkness to Light. And um, my second book is called uh, Dancing with the Devil. The Dancing with the Devil is uh, a lot of testimonies from a lot of people that I've helped and or met that have come out of various, all of the different occult practices. And uh, they're, they're, both books are, are a blessing, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would take time to read them and let others know about the books. Well, Thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. Yes, you are. You're going to have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. It may be a state trooper. It may be a young turk. It may be the head of some big TV network. You may be rich or poor. You may be blind or blind. Maybe living in another country under another name, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Maybe a construction worker working on a home. Might be living in a mansion. You might live. Sleeping on the floor, sleeping in a king-size bed, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. 